Hello, and welcome to the Word Experience Podcast, where the Word of God is experienced in a fresh new way. Prepare yourself to hear God's Word talk with simplicity and understanding. And now, here's your host, Cliff Goldberg. Hey, 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 fam, what's going on? What's going on? What is going on? Welcome to the Word Experience Podcast, where we experience the Word in a fresh new way. I am your host, Cliff Gober, and uh, as usual, let's click kick the show off with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for this Word. We thank you for revelation. We thank you for understanding. We thank you for the Word behind the Word. We thank you, God, that this Word is tailor-made for everyone who is listening today. And that there is no time and distance in the spirit. So whenever they hear this, it will be exactly the right time that they need to hear it. Thank you for your love, God, for us that is unconditional. Thank you for your favor that surrounds us like a shield. Thank you for your peace that goes beyond our understanding. Thank you for your joy that is unspeakable. Thank you for Jesus who gave his life for us that we can have a relationship with you. We thank you, God, for all heavenly resources that you made at our disposal, God. We thank you for faith. We thank you for prayer. We thank you for healing. We thank you for full recovery. We thank you for restoration. We thank you for increase. We thank you for success in every area of our lives because we are attached to you and you are nothing but successful. And so thank you, God, for this time. Again, thank you for this word. We have great expectation for this word today because it comes from you through me into the ears of your people. We declare every ear is uh, open to hear. Every heart is open to receive. We declare that no weapon formed against this time shall prosper. And uh, God, that your will will be done during this time and for time immemorial in our lives and through our lives and to the lives of other people. We thank you and honor you. We praise you. We bless you. And we call you great in our lives. We declare these things to be so in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. What's going on, fam? Uh, listen, so so a couple of weeks ago, I was in the shower and, and I was listening to uh, uh, a sermon as I usually do in the morning. That's sort of my quiet time. I read a scripture and I'll listen to a sermon as I'm getting dressed and taking a shower, having breakfast, things of this nature. And uh, the man of God was using a particular scripture. And in the scripture, there was the phrase, how much more? And it was something that Jesus has said, and, and he was comparing something in the natural. And he says, how much more will God do, blah, 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 blah. Right? And so that phrase, how much more, kept ringing in my head. How much more? How much more? And I knew there were a couple of places where Jesus was making this comparison. And so I prayed about it, and I thought, you know, that would be a cool podcast just to talk about how much more. And seeing that I have a podcast, I figured I'd share uh, what I learned uh, doing some study with you guys. So today's show is titled, How Much More? A Comparison of Natural Things with Spiritual Things. How Much More? A Comparison of Natural Things with Spiritual Things. Now, this phrase, how much more, implies, especially when we're talking about natural things versus spiritual things, the how much more phrase implies that if the natural thing is good, then the spiritual thing is going to be much better than the natural thing, right? How much more? If this thing is good, how much more is this thing going to be, right? If this thing is cool, how much more is this thing going to be cool? 
right? So we're going to look at this phrase, how much more, and see how it compares natural things versus spiritual things. We're going to start with Isaiah 55, verse 9. And I don't have a lot of scripture, so, you know, we're just going to rock this thing out, and it'll be as long as it'll be, and, and hopefully you'll be able to listen to this and get back to work before your lunch hour is over. You get some work done before you clock back in. Because <laughs> I know we're hardworking, excellent people, right? <laughs> All right. All right. Isaiah 55 verse 9. And we're going to just kind of put a put a put a spotlight on natural versus spiritual. Okay? So Isaiah 55 verse 9, we're looking at natural versus spiritual. Isaiah 55 verse 9. Verse 9 says, "For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So so immediately God here is talking to Isaiah in Isaiah 55 and he's already making a difference between the heavens and the earth, God's ways and man's ways. He's already look, I'm letting you know right now, right off the rip. The way I do things, the way I think my ways are higher than your ways and he compares the heavens which is the sky and the atmosphere are higher than the earth. Right. And so he, he makes this comparison. One is higher than the other. And so as the heavens are higher than the earth, then my ways now are also higher than your ways. I, I love the message translation because it kind of uh, kind of takes us to where we're going in this particular show. The message translation for Isaiah 55 and 9 says, for as the sky soars high above earth. So the way I work surpasses the way you work, and the way I think is beyond the way you think. And this is what we're talking about when we're comparing natural things to spiritual things, right? The spiritual things surpass the natural things, just like the way God works surpasses the way we work. And the spiritual things go far beyond the natural things, in the same manner that the way God thinks is way beyond the way we think. Okay, so we're already talking about, you know, there's nothing wrong with the natural things. But when you compare natural things to spiritual things, there's almost no comparison. There's almost no comparison, right? We're not going to go here, but I know that uh, when, when Moses built the tabernacle in the wilderness... The pattern that, that God gave him was the pattern of the real tabernacle in heaven. I think he talks about that in Hebrews. That what Moses built in the natural, or we'll flip it, and we'll say what, the, what exists in, this, in the spiritual, the real tabernacle, far surpasses the tabernacle that Moses built in the wilderness. Because the spiritual things go way beyond the natural things. The natural things are cool, but the spiritual things go way beyond the natural things. All right. Okay, so let's 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 get into this. Let's go to Luke eleven, verses eleven through thirteen. Luke eleven, verses eleven through thirteen, and we're going to look at let's see one, two, three different things that Jesus spoke of, where how much more is concerned. Luke eleven. Verses 11 through 13. Verse 11 says, If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? 
Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Here we go, verse 13. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So, so, so Jesus is making the comparison. In the natural, you as a father know how to give good gifts to your children. So God is going to far surpass whatever you can do for your children. He far surpasses that in what he does for his children. And specifically what he's talking about here is the giving of the Holy Spirit. So, so, so Jesus is going, look, as good as you do, as a father, God as a father does way more than that. How much more will God do? And 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 what it does, I see that, Lord, it, it ratchets up our expectation of what God will do for us. Because if a father who's evil knows to give good gifts to their children, how much more will the heavenly father give? How much more will the heavenly father give? And I think when our expectation gets ratcheted up, when we, when we increase the level of our expectation, because many people will sit around and go, well, yeah, but, you know, I know God is God, but he's not going to do that for me. You know, he's not going to do that for me. He's not, you know, I haven't done this and I haven't done that and I haven't gone to church in the last month and a half. He doesn't care about any of that stuff as much as it, as much as he cares about those types of things that have the design to enhance your life. And, and enhance your relationship with him, okay? But it's not about that if he's your father. Ask. And this is, I, think, I believe this is what Jesus was talking about earlier. Ask. Seek. Knock. Don't not ask because, well, I don't think God, God, God's too big. To, that's just a, such a small thing. It's just a small thing. I lost my keys. I can find my keys. I don't need God to help me find my keys. Maybe you don't, but he's saying ask. If the natural father gives good gifts to the natural children, how much more will the heavenly father give to his heavenly children? And if you fall in that category, ask and you will receive. And if you're not yet in the category of the family of God, you know what? You can ask for that too. To ask Jesus to come into your heart, to ask him to be your Lord and Savior. And when you ask, the Father, who is the how much more Father, will give you exactly what you ask. Because what you want is what he wants for you. All right? All right. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. We like that. All right. Let's move on. We're going to stay in Luke. There's more, there's more. I'm feeling in my spirit that there's more. We have to, family. We got to. We have to take the limits off of God. And I know many of you have heard that phrase in churches, and I've heard it ministered, and it's awesome. Every time I've heard it, it's awesome because it's true. We have to take the limits off of God and let God be God. If, if, if it's not for you to have, let God tell you it's not for you to have. Don't you limit him. Well, I know it's not for me to have because God wouldn't want me to have that. How do you know? You're not God. 
It's almost like when 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 God was talking to Job. I think it's like Job forty, chapter forty, chapter forty-two. He's like, "Where were you when I did this? And where were you when I did that?" The only mind of God that we have is the mind that He has revealed to us. I know the Scripture talks about we have the mind of Christ, and and we do, but it still comes out in spurts of revelation. We don't have the fullness. We have access to it, right? But 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 why are we limiting God? Why are we bringing God down to our level? Matter of fact, I think Paul talks about that in Romans. Don't bring God down to your level. Don't do that. Take the limits off of God and ask him. Ask him. I've got things that I've, I've got on the table now that I've asked him about. Father, I need this. I'm asking you for that. And I release your hand to do whatever you want to do. And I'm going to be open to whatever he wants to do, however he wants to bring it to me, if he wants to bring it to me, and if he wants to bring me something else that's better than what I asked for. Let's take the limits off of God. Why? Because he is the how much more God. He is the how much more God that we serve, that we honor, that we worship, but more importantly, that we are in relationship with. So let's take the limits off of God. Let's see him as the how much more God and watch him bring the how much more into our lives. That's it. That's it. Thank you, Lord. That's it. That's it. That's it, man. Let's do this because the world is waiting to see the how much more God operate in our lives. All right. I think I squeezed all the juice out of that. Let's go to Luke 12, 24. <laughs> Luke chapter 12, verse 24. And here's another example that Jesus is using in Luke 12, 24. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn. And God feeds them. He feeds animals that don't sow or reap. He feeds animals that don't have a storehouse or a barn. And yet without those resources, without that spiritual principle, he yet takes care of them. And Jesus says right after that, of how much more value are you than the birds? I think one translation says, don't you know you are worth many sparrows? When he talks about taking care of the sparrows, right? You have more value to God than a bird. You have way more value to God than a bird. And a bird has value to God because he feeds them. They don't sow, they don't reap. And we've got the scripture, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Well, ravens don't sow or reap, and yet God still takes care of them. So how much more will he take care of you? Because you have more value to him than birds. Because he's the how much more God. Now, does that mean I shouldn't sow or reap? No. But what it is, is it puts us in a mindset of God's going to take care of me. God's going to take care of me. If he takes care of a raven, he will take care of me who he has relationship with. All right. Let's stay in Luke 12. Let's jump down to Luke 12, 28. Luke 12, verse 28. And we make the conclusion here now. In Luke 12, 28, he says, if then God so clothes the grass. So now he goes from the ravens to the grass. If God so clothes the grass, 
which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Here we go. How much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? How much more will God take care of you if he takes care of the grass, which is here today and gone tomorrow? How much more will he take care of you? Now, when he says little faith, he doesn't mean amount. He means the amount, uh, What I believe it's, it's a short burst of faith. You have, you have faith for a short period of time. Your faith only lasts for so long. That's what he means, you of little faith. Okay? You've got a short burst of faith. So Tuesday and Wednesday, you got monster-moving, you know, mountain-moving faith. By Thursday, you're scared of your shadow. And you don't believe God's going to do anything for you. What happened to the faith you had on Tuesday and Wednesday? And that's what he means. We need to have an elongated faith. A faith that stays out on the field until the job is done. That's one of the uh, parables that, that uh, Jesus talks about, leaving a servant out on the field, leaving a servant out in the field until the job is done. We have to keep faith out in the field until the job is done. What's the job? The manifestation of God taking care of me, the manifestation of God clothing me, the manifestation of re me receiving the desire of my heart that is the godly desire. If he's going to take care of a bird and he's going to clothe grass, he's got to take care of me because I have more value than those things. If he'll take care of them, how much more will he take care of me? If he took care of a bird, how much more will he take care of me? If my father in the natural knows how to take care of me and give me my desires and give me the things that I need, how much more will the God that I serve do the same thing? Well, Cliff, yeah, but it's a whole bunch of people as Christians that God hasn't taken care of. You don't know that, one. And two, maybe they don't have the, the, the revelation that he is the how much more God. Maybe they've limited God in their minds and said, this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be broke. I'm supposed to stay sick. I'm supposed to be, a, be an alcoholic. I'm supposed to have an anger problem. Because they, 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 they brought God down to the level of man, and they have a low-level expectation. But that's not the God that we serve. We serve the how much more God. And we've got, I said this earlier, we've got to ratchet up, increase, expand our expectation of who God wants to be in our lives and what God wants to do in our lives. He gave his son to have relationship with us. The scripture says this is how we know that God loves us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Be and, and really, before all of us were even born. Thousands of years ago, he proved his love for us by sending his son as a substitute and a, and a propitiation for our sins. What? And I can't ask him to help me take care of my finances. I can't ask him to give me wisdom and give me million dollar ideas so I can create a legacy of wealth for my children and my children's children. That he won't do that for me that he won't heal my body, that he won't bring certain ideas and herbs and medicines into my, into my view, 
that he won't give me a dream of how to start eating better or drinking more water, that he won't give me an image of what it looks like when I work out and lose 40, 50 pounds. He is the how much more God. Pick a card, any card. He is the how much more God. Take that how much more. Ah, I see that, Lord. That's so good. That, that when Moses asked God, who should I say sent me? And he said, tell him, I am that I am sent you. That you can plug in, I am, whatever you need, I am that. Whatever you have a desire of that's a godly desire, I am that desire. So, so the, 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 the how much more God calls himself the I am God. How much more will I am do? Oh boy, that good, that's good. If, the, if, if in the natural this will happen, how much more will the I am God do for you? If, if the I am God will clothe the grass... How much more will the I am God do for you? If the I am God will take care of ravens, how much more will the I am God do for you? Who has much more value than a bird? I'm trying to jack up your expectations. I see you nodding. I see you catching the revelation. I see you catching the vision. I see you. I see you. <laughs> this is good stuff, man. And, 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 and it, it is the how much more God working through me because I didn't have all this stuff in my notes. I'm just flowing with him because I trust him because he is the how much more I am God. Wow, that's great. That is great. That is great because he is great. Ah, oh, man, I just feel a praise break. That's just five seconds. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah for being the how much more I am God for me. And you got to make it personal. He is my how much more I am God. Mm, 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 mm. Boy, that's, that's what my grandmother would say. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> All right, let's, let's, uh, let's hit these last couple of scriptures and we'll call it a day. Uh, let's look at Hebrews chapter 9. We're going to do some, uh, some New Testament stuff. Hebrews chapter 9. I want to look at verses 13. Uh, and 14, a different comparison of the natural versus the spiritual. This is where um, uh, justification and being declared righteous is concerned. And he's comparing, well, let's just read it. Hebrews 9, verses 13 and 14, all right? Verse 13 says, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So he says, if the blood of bulls, goats, and the ashes of a heifer were effective in purifying the flesh, right? How much more will the blood of Christ purify your conscience, right? The blood of animals purified their flesh, what, meaning it, it, it only works so far. It's sanctified for the purifying of the flesh. What it did was it allowed them to be uh, in right standing with God for a season, for a year, right? That's what the blood of animals could do. 
But he says, when you compare the blood of animals to the blood of Christ, there's no comparison because the blood of Christ can cleanse your conscience, right, from dead works. Cleanse your conscience from, from actions that don't have any spiritual value. And it clears the way for you to serve God with a clear conscience, with a conscience that's not connected to dead works, with a conscience that's not connected to uh, you know, keeping the commandments and keeping the law and being focused so, so focused in on the law that you don't really have time to serve God. And he says the blood of Christ cleanses all of that up and frees us now to just have a relationship and serve the living God. That's what the blood of Christ can do in comparison to the blood of animals. The blood of animals could not cleanse their conscience. But the blood of Christ has the ability to cleanse our conscience. Because there's no need for us to keep the law anymore because Jesus fulfilled the law. So now all we got to do is love God, love people the way Jesus loved us. And that's our part of the fulfilling of the law. We don't have to do bulls and goats and we don't have to do ceremonies and we don't have to do uh, uh, this and that. And we don't have to do cleansing ceremony, ceremonial cleansing. We're free from that stuff. So now we can serve the living God with a clean and clear conscience. And that's what the blood of Christ did, spiritual, in comparison to the blood of animals, natural. Now, the blood of animals had its value. But again, when we compare the value of the blood of animals to the value of the blood of Christ, it goes way, way beyond. It goes way beyond. All right. All right. Lastly, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9 through 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9 through 11. Now, Paul goes into some deep stuff here and, you know, he can get very Paulish. <laughs> meaning that his language can get sometimes confusing. It's very wordy. So I've got, uh, I've got uh, two translations here, the King, New King James and the New Living Translation. And, we'll, and it, the New Living really breaks this down really well. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9 through 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9 through 11. Verse 9 says, For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. All right. Now let's break this down in the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation says, if the old way which brings condemnation, was glorious. Now, it seems like he's contradicting himself because he said the old way brought condemnation, but the old way was glorious. Well, how do you, how do you, how do you marry those two? Well, the old way, meaning now what he's talking about here is the law of Moses, okay? And he says the old way which brought condemnation. Now, and I keep I keep alluding to the fact that I'm gonna I've got to do a teaching on this at some point, and as God gives me the green light, I will. But the thing about the law of Moses, it part of its design was to bring sin consciousness to the people, 
because they didn't really know what sin was. Now you remember, you got to remember, they were in Egypt for 400 some odd years. They had no relationship with God. They, they may have known what was right and wrong because that was given to mankind when Adam ate of the fruit of the tree. But they didn't necessarily know what sin was. And God now is about to move in and dwell with them when the law is established. And so he brings and brings in the law so they can know what sin was. So the law was designed to bring sin conscience, consciousness. And this is the word when he talks about the ministry of condemnation. Right? This was designed to bring in sin consciousness so that the people knew what sin was. So now if they broke the law and they and they sinned, now there can be a, a consequence. I think the scripture says without a threat without the uh, without the law, there is no trespass. So if you sin but there's no law, there can be no trespass because there was no law. If I go somewhere and there's no speed limit, and I go 95 miles an hour down the road, even though I'm speeding and it's dangerous, since there's no law against speeding, I'm not breaking the law. Now, it's still dangerous, but I'm not breaking the law. So I can't get pulled over by the popo and say, you were speeding. Well, there's no law against speeding, right? But now you put me in a place where there is a law against speeding, and there's a speed limit of 65 miles an hour. And now I go 90, 95 miles an hour. Now I've broken the law. Now I can be pulled over. Because in this place, there's a law against going over 65 miles an hour. Where in another place, there is no law against going 65, past 65 miles an hour. So in both times, I'm speeding. But in one situation, I'm not breaking the law. And in the other situation, I am breaking the law. Right? So if there is sin. And there is no law, then there can be no trespass. But God knew when he showed up, a holy God with sinful man, if they're sinning all the time, when you bring holiness and sin together with no buffer, there's going to be death. And so God institutes the law. He institutes the ministry of condemnation. Boy, I went a long way to explain that, didn't I? <laughs> all right. So the old way... And the ministry of condemnation was glorious because it was part of what God used to be able to, to fellowship with mankind, to reconnect with mankind. Okay, so I'm going to put the law in and it's glorious, but it's a ministry of condemnation. Okay, so it had great spiritual value. So he's saying if the old way, the law, which brings condemnation was glorious... How much more glorious is the new way, where he's talking about grace, which makes us right with God? Okay? If the old way was great, the new way is even greater. Because the old way made them, it, it was part of the mechanism that God put in place to make them right with God. You had the law, and when they when they couldn't keep the law, you had the sacrifice and the, the yearly sacrifice, and that was the thing that God put in place so he could have relationship with them, and they could maintain their righteousness, meaning now they could maintain their right standing with God. But it was limited. It was, it was glorious, but it was limited because it was limited to just one group of people. Right. So the old way, which brings condemnation, was glorious. But how much more glorious is the new way, 
which makes us right with God. The us being non-Jewish people through Jesus Christ. So, so the old way was cool, but the new way is much cooler, right? The old way was glorious, but the new way is much more glorious, right? So let's look at verse 10. He says, in fact, that first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. See, that's what I'm saying, right? It was cool, but it doesn't come close to what the law was great, but it doesn't come close to the greatness of grace. And this is the comparison that Paul is making here. That if you compare the glory of the law to the glory of grace, there is no comparison. And as he's saying, the first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. Right? And then we hit verse 11. So if the old way, which has been replaced, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new, which remains forever? The Old Testament, the law, where the law was based in, was replaced with the New Testament, which has its mechanism of grace. The Old Testament had a mechanism of the law of Moses. The New Testament has the mechanism of grace through Jesus Christ. Right? The Old Testament, which had the law, was limited to just the, the, the nation of Israel and those who were connected to them. The new way with grace uh, is unlimited. You don't have to be Jewish. You don't even have to know any Jewish people. All you got to know is one Jewish guy, Jesus the Christ of Nazareth, right? And if you know him, you become a part of the family. And now the new way is expanded and it remains forever. He says, what remains is more glorious. For the New King James for verse 11, for what is... For if what is passing away was glorious, the law, what remains, grace, is much more glorious. Both of them are designed to create right standing with God. But the new way is much more glorious in its ability to bring the entire nation of people. The all of mankind now has the ability to come in right standing with God that's the new way as opposed to the old way where just the nation of Israel had the ability to come in right standing with God. And that was only if they kept certain conditions. The condition of the new way is faith in Jesus Christ. The condition of the old way was following the law and bringing the sacrifice. And though that was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way? You can't even compare the two, right? And so when we look at the how much more God that we serve. And we talk about comparing the people in our lives with the how much more God. When we compare our intelligence <laughs> with the intelligence of the how much more God, I think one place in scripture says that God's uh, uh, intelligence is God's, no, man's wisdom is foolishness to God. When we compare our wisdom to the how much more God's wisdom, you can't compare it. And so the cool thing is we don't have to lean on the natural things. We can lean on the how much more things. We have access to the how much more things. We have access to the higher way. We have access to the how much more I am God. 
So let's tap into that resource more and more every day in our prayer time, in our time of petition, when we stand before God intercessing for our, interceding for our family members, interceding for our friends, interceding for our spouses, interceding for our children. Understand that we're praying to the how much more I am God and rest that he will do for us only what he can do. He will do what he said he will do, and he will do what he can do, which is what no other entity can do in our lives. And that's our show for today. <laughs> Man, that really blessed me. It really, really did. I, I, I tell you, I had a few notes. I had a few scriptures, and, and, and that was it. But I also had access to the how much more I am God. And I trusted him to give you guys what you needed today and what I needed. It was a reminder for me in my prayer time to come, to come as the scripture says, boldly to the throne of grace and find grace and mercy to help in a time of need. One, one uh, translation says, well-timed help just when we need it. So, so, so let's, let's ratchet up our prayers, guys. Let's increase and expand our capacity of what we ask the I am, how much more God, the how much more I am God. I love that, man. That's a, that's a great phrase right there. All right. Okay. I said that's our show for today, so let me stop talking. <laughs> you guys know how I am. Hey, listen, I hope this blessed you. I know it did because it came straight from the throne through me. And uh, man, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please continue to share the podcast with others. We are up at 660 listeners or downloads or whatever they call these things. 660 some odd times somebody's been listening to a podcast. And so I am uh, forever grateful for that. The Word Experience Nation is growing. Okay, okay, okay. I know I got to stop talking. Thank you guys for listening. God bless you. God keep you. I'll see you next time on the Word Experience Podcast where we experience the Word in a fresh new way. See you next time. God bless. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that what you heard will start you on a journey of change and transformation. If you'd like to communicate with Cliff with a question or a comment, you can do so via email at clifftalk 63 at gmail.com. That's clifftalks, the number 63, at gmail.com. And thank you for listening. God bless, and we'll see you next time on The Word Experience.